1: To all Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian.
0: What is up? Welcome to the All Things Music podcast. I'm here with my friend, Finn McKenty of the Punk Rock MBA. Um, Hey, man, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm doing well. Um, so I actually had Finn on in 2020 at Nam before the world went apocalyptic. and
2: That must have been like a week or two Yeah, before.
0: literally. And I will never say this to my listeners, but I strongly recommend you don't go listen to that episode because it was really cringe from my part. Uh, I had only watched Finn's channel for this was before you even had a Twitch channel. This was just your main channel. And I had only watched you for Mm -hmm. six months. And I will be the first to admit I came completely unprepared with questions. And like, I mean, I tried my best, but three years later, I know way more about you and your channels and your philosophies on certain things that this conversation is going to be way better if i'm being completely transparent and honest so um i mean if if you want a good laugh at least making fun of me go ahead and go back and listen to that episode but uh, i'm excited to have you here to actually have a much better more fulfilling conversation same here yeah do it so i want to talk to you first about something we talk about in private quite a bit which is the fact that if I've taken away anything from your channel, which I've taken away a lot, but if I've taken anything away from either of your channels, it's to me, it's that being normal, being a normie, if you will, should be celebrated, not kind of stigmatized as it is in the alt community. And something I've struggled with forever is I love alt culture so much and alt music, but I'm very much a normie. Like none of my friends like metal my wife is, you know, you did that, that chart the other day with the women and uh-huh. she's that <laughs> wholesome, like whatever that, that top left uh, quadrant was. And I have a hard time relating sometimes to when I'm at a show or at a convention or whatever, cause I stick out like a sore thumb. And for a while I felt like almost ashamed in the weirdest way that I wasn't like some of my peers that were in bands or did all these other things, and then yeah. just through your narratives and conjectures, you've made me feel a lot better about be like it's okay to be that that thirties, forties year old dad in the suburban neighborhood with the white picket fence and all that, and that should be like a goal rather than it, it seems like in a lot of metal and other alt cultures, it's looked down upon. Like, hey, you're you do normal stuff. Why don't you do this and that? you know, drugs or alcohol or, right. or even non, non toxic related things. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I could talk about this for literally hours, but, um, yeah, I think you're right. And, um, to me, like this is probably the most like toxic part of the whole, you know, alt community or whatever you want to call it is this idea that there's something wrong with, you know, being a normie. Um, and this goes back to like every every song you've ever heard going back to like the 70s or 80s, like Descendants songs like Suburban Home and, you know, whatever else, every punk song you've ever heard is like sneering at people like, oh, well, I'm sorry, I don't want the, you know, white picket fence with 2.5 kids and a dog. I want a real life, you know, look, if you want to be a weirdo and play in bands for the rest of your life and live under a bridge or whatever, you know, <laughs> do whatever you want. Um, but I feel like the judgment only goes one way, you know, it's alternative people judging normies, not the other way around. Um, the, this, this narrative that the normies are looking down on you or judging you is complete fiction. You see this, like in so many movies and stuff, there's this archetype of, you know, the jock bully that, uh, makes fun of you. Cause you listen to Lincoln park or dead Kennedys or whatever it is that doesn't really happen. I don't care. Um, yeah, they don't give they don't even know that you fucking exist. For one, you're just like the weird kid that sits at that lunch table to them and like they don't care because you know, none of us are important enough. The world, nobody cares about us. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like none of us are important enough that other people are going to take time out of their day to be like, uh, "Oh, what what music does Ryan listen to?" And what is my they have no opinion on what you do or like they don't care. Yeah.
0: It's strange. It's actually, and I'm about to throw my vocalist under the bus, but whatever. We went to a baseball game uh, last, I think it was last week, Memorial day weekend, whenever that was. And uh, he's, he's doesn't know anything about sports. uh, Just completely blindsided by it all. And we get there and he's like, I've never been around so many normal people in my life. I'm like, this is what I feel like when I go to like festivals and shit, it's the same kind of thing. Um, And it's just, it's such a foreign thing to me. It's, it's, it's not that everybody in bands are um necessarily weird, but it's it's okay to be normal if you want to do music too. Like it should be celebrated like wh- I've been in a couple bands and some of the bands I was in it's like part of being in a band is being financially sound so you can do all the things you want to do and yeah. a lot of times you're with people who don't necessarily have long time careers or just have their head on their shoulders so investing in promo investing in good art investing in in aggregation all those things you need to really get your music out there it's it's a challenge to find people that are really gifted in the alt world but also
2: have a business sense i feel like those two things don't really go together often no they don't they don't go together and i and i do think that um I do think it's true that the best art usually comes from really fucked up people. Um I, I I wish it wasn't like that, but I I do think that's true. Like I don't think I'm a particularly a creative person. I don't, like I, I wouldn't rank myself high on that at all. Um you know, I am I'm, I'm good at kind of grinding it out and executing things, but I'm not like a creative visionary or anything like that and I mean even outside of like the music world, you know, if in business and stuff, like the best CEOs they're fucking weirdos, oh, you know. Totally. They're not normal people. Like it, it, being normal and being good at um, any any sort of like creative discipline do not go hand in hand for the most part. I mean, sure, there's some examples of people like I don't know Gwen Stefani seems pretty normal, um, but uh, you know they don't really go together for the most part. And there's nothing wrong with being weird. There's also nothing wrong with being normal. Is is my point? Right. You know, it's not to say that if if you're a weird alternative person that's like super passionate about your art or whatever. I'm not saying that's wrong, but the message we hear is that it's wrong to be normal. And that's the thing I want to push back. And on. speaking of normies, just because
0: this was so topical in a recent video of yours, I want to talk about Lucas versus Jackson. <laughs> the, oh the, yeah. The, the, of course. The teams team, team Lucas. Yeah, I think one, we need to meet Lucas so we can get licensing to make team Lucas t-shirts because I'll wear those all day. I'm um, with you. And then it seems like, Jackson is, and, and this is actually more so of the kids of that generation I've met are like Jackson. My wife teaches fourth grade, so that's kind of close to that uh-huh. age. And I'm noticing a lot of Gen Z really like classic rock. Like It's the weirdest juxtaposition because... Mm. We we sit here and we're like, okay, all this new hip hop is sick, and all these new innovative things these pop yeah. artists are doing. And I was I was watching a TikTok where these kids in middle school or elementary school, whatever it was, were listing their favorite artists, and it was like ACDC and ZZ Top. And I'm like, where did that come from? That's
2: wild. That is weird. Uh, I wonder if that's TikTok serving it to you be. because it knows that you know you you like rock. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I mean either way, it's definitely I, I don't know what like the exact numbers are, but I mean it's obvious that there's a lot of young people that um meaning people are like, you know, in their teens or early twenties that are into, you know, what to them is classic rock. I know this is gonna make <laughs> all the people my age have a heart attack, but the fact of the matter is that Nirvana is classic rock is a fact. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, because that shit came out thirty years ago. Um in nineteen ninety two when i was in eighth or ninth grade and nirvana you know was sort of at their at their peak um you know that would be the equivalent of music that came out in 1962 like the beatles and the beach boys you know so i mean it, it is classic rock and it, and it is interesting to see how many younger people are into that stuff and i don't know it's kind of it's odd to Very. me i mean not to say that people back then didn't like the beach boys or the beatles but i mean it wasn't there weren't people that listened to that. People didn't listen. People my age in 1992 did not listen to the Beach right. Boys, um, and uh, it was always sort of the norm in the past that young people hated whatever their parents liked, or or at least ignored it, or whatever. So that you know, seeing 14 year olds listening to Deftones and Nirvana now um, is interesting. Yeah, it's to me. definitely weird, and I think we're in uncharted territory because. Modern music as a whole
0: hasn't been around that long. So really when you go back and compare like in the 90s, what did kids listen to from the 70s, et cetera, we're, there's, it's going to be a long time until we can actually find a pattern to this just because the sample size is so small. So it, it's really hard to figure out why people are doing certain things to this day. And I think that's why you uh, do the content you do is consumer psychology is such a mystery sometimes as yeah. to why things are the way they are. Speaking of that, kind of want to address the elephant in the room, if you will, just because it's topical and it's it's honestly a really good discussion. You recently had Blair White on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how long ago that was recorded, but it came...
2: Uh, two okay. weeks ago, maybe.
0: And I'm going to be the first to say I, I know nothing about her at all. I'd never uh-huh. followed her. I never looked at content whatever so i'm also going to be the first to say and some people listening can learn from this i don't have an opinion like if i don't know a person yeah and i see we all see it because twitter and other social media feeds us these things if i see this discourse about somebody <clears throat> i'm not just going to go with the herd and be like oh yeah that's a bad person like obviously there are bad people out there if somebody is you know telling to somebody to kill cops or kill black people, whatever like that is bad. But there's such a yeah. gray area. And if we have no idea, go ahead and listen first. Like people yeah. have this notion of uh, I, one, they, they already have this notion about Finn McKinsey because you have the innate ability of having controversial people on your podcast, which is something that you should do. You should have all different yeah. points of views, but there's this, Jump to conclusions thing that a lot of people do reminds me of that I don't know if you're a fan of uh, <clears throat> Office Space. They have that jump to conclusions board game that guy tried to pitch at it's hilarious.
2: I I saw it back in the it's day. I don't movie. remember much about um,
0: it. Um, but like, you, it seems at least from your perspective anymore. There's nothing you can do that everybody's going to love, and right. Sometimes when that happens, you just kind of say fuck it and like go with. Whatever you want to do, and whatever happens, happens. Like you don't even have to do damage control because you have your channel. Because you
2: know I can't, I can't be controlled, right? Exactly. <laughs> and and people have already said every bad thing you could say about me. So at this point, what do I have right, to lose? But
0: but it's it's so. It, I hate to say it's unfair because there's the whole life isn't fair. But you've had yeah. people from all sorts of walks of life on your podcast. You had Phil, yeah. who's libertarian and 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 then yep. you had doc who's is, is left as they come and it's like yeah, people should recognize that and not just think that you are fox
2: news podcast you know what i mean well Negativity bias is a thing, meaning that people are going to over index on things that they don't like or they're afraid of or whatever. So you could say 100 things that someone agrees with. And if you say one thing they don't agree with, they're going to focus on the one thing that they didn't agree with. And especially on Twitter, of all places, you know, the reality is 99.999% of people do not give a fucking shit about any of this stuff. Um, And the tiny fraction of people that do are on Twitter and they talk a lot um and you know whatever they're allowed to have whatever opinion they want obviously when i have someone like blair white on my podcast i'm aware that that's going to upset a lot of people but to your point I, and i'm not here to defend blair in particular or anybody else um to your point i wonder how many people that have these super strong opinions um have ever actually listened to blair's content or joe rogan for that matter people said all these you know accused joe rogan of being this and that and the other and stuff and uh, and I wonder how many of these people have ever actually listened to any of their their content. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk is another one of these people. Like, yo, oh, he's a hustle culture, blah blah blah. Well, no, I've listened to Gary's content for almost ten years. He's always said the exact opposite of that. Actually, he's always said you'd probably be happier making less money doing something you like. Um, the exact opposite of what people believe that he says. Um, but that's the world we live in now. People just jump to conclusions. They hear what they want to hear and. Um, nothing that you do or say is going to change their opinion about what they believe about you. You know, they've decided that uh, you are this thing, which may or may not correspond to who you actually are. And you're not going to be able to do much to change your mind about that. So, You just got to do what you want and let the chips fall where they may. And at this point, you know, I mean, people have said so many horrible things about me. They call me a transphobe and a groomer and all these other things. And if you look on Reddit, you know, if you Google my name, I'm sure that that stuff will come up. Uh, And that sucks because, you know, if I ever want to get a normal job or, you know, whatever, um, you know, I'm going to have to have a conversation with somebody at some point and be like, all right, well, just so you know, here's what some people have said about me. It's not true, but it's out there. Um, And if that's a problem, then we should just stop this interview right now. Um, and, uh, you know, that sucks. I don't, I don't right. like that, but that's the and world. I take we it live one in.
0: step farther because I know you're, you're a new father and I'm, I'm a, I'm a dad and y- your, your son will eventually be of age where he can Google and see things and he yeah. might
2: have questions and it's, it's really sad. Or his teachers, you know, in, in, a, in a few years when he goes to school, you know, maybe his teacher like, Oh, is your dad a transphobe? But
0: just, just things that you don't, you don't deserve, but that's just the world we live in. And those conversations. Honestly, they have to be had for the first time in a long time. Our parents didn't have to deal with that. You know, if you did something right, you it was you did it right. It was it was you doing it. It wasn't this and right. that. And, and people, I mean, fuck with deep fakes now. Who the hell knows
2: where that's going to go? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That shit's going to be wild Um, And people will believe the thing people will believe what they want to believe, which is independent from the facts. We live in a world, I mean, look, so for everyone who thinks I'm some sort of alt-right person or whatever, I mean, I think Trump is the person who just basically broke all of this because, I mean, he just lies constantly and everybody knows it and his supporters know it and it doesn't matter because he says things that feel true and that's the world we live in now. And And I think people on both sides do this, but Trump is for sure the person that kind of pushed us over the edge into living in this post-truth world where it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It only matters if it feels well, and true.
0: protect your own too. It's, it's the cult mentality. It's like, that's yeah. my
2: leader. And, yeah. and I,
0: I'm never going to find another leader like him. So everybody's around, everybody goes for him. And no matter what he says, I mean, like I, I yes. you're getting indicted in federal court and state court, but Oh no, it's, it's the, the government. It's not, it's not that I did anything wrong. It's there against me. And, and it's,
2: yeah, and like Hunter Biden is obviously a right. corrupt fucking crackhead, and well, well, that doesn't matter because reasons. No. Well, no, it does matter. Shit that Trump did wrong matters too. It's all bad. You know the facts matter. Somebody yeah, tweeted the other day, um, and they were like, "There,
0: there, there's a certain group of conservatives who believe that for whatever reason, if somebody on the liberal side was convicted, that the Democratic Party would act in the same way. They're like, listen." I don't care. It could be Bill Clinton. It could be
2: Joe Biden. If they're guilty, lock them the fuck up. Lock everybody up. Yeah, because they're right. all exactly. shitty. <laughs> so lock. If somebody breaks the law, they need to be locked up. The yeah, end. Exactly. And and whether I, it doesn't matter if it's my best fucking friend or not. If you break the law, you got to exactly. go to prison. This is the way the world yeah. needs to work. We need to respect the rule of law. But to your point earlier, like. I remember years ago um, about people sort of jumping to conclusions. I remember years ago. um, So I have two cousins who are both extremely smart people, two of the smartest people I've ever met. And um, my stepdad, who's one of these people that watches CNN and gets angry about stuff, was asking one of my cousins, I don't even remember what it was. He was like, did you see they're doing blah, blah, blah. Uh, Like this is an outrage. And my cousin was like, I don't really know anything about that. He's like, Yeah, but they're doing blah blah blah. And he's like, I, I I would have to know more to have an opinion. And my stepdad getting getting more and more angry. And um it, it's interesting now that it, it it's not valid to say, I don't know enough to have an opinion. Yeah. Or to just be like, I'm going to sit. We this all have one to be out. experts.
0: It, it it happens in anything. If if a plane crashes, we're all aviation experts. If a train derails, <laughs> right. we have all worked for the train authority, <laughs> Trans
2: Authority. Like, right? Oh no! What happened yeah, is like we. And here's why the team I don't like is to blame. And for And it's all it.
0: ego. At the end of the day, it's like I know what's best, and I don't have the humility to say, nah, you know what." i I don't have a clue I'm gonna defer to people who do have a clue, and you're right that's and it all right. comes from the beginning of this topic, which is echo chambers you you surround yourself, and that's why i i it used it, it's still is a stigma to be in the middle like yeah it totally, totally is. Is. and and I tried to listen to everything i mean i I listened to Rogan and when he had Alex Jones on the podcast, yeah, my first instinct was like, don't listen to that that's you know what that is. But I'm like, you know what? Even though I know at this point, everybody kind of knows Alex Jones, what he's about. I'm still going to listen. Yeah. Maybe he'll say something different. Maybe maybe he'll, you know, and it's funny when he was interviewing Kanye, he ended up looking like the, <laughs>
2: the smart guy in the room. The, but the voice of sanity, yeah. that's when, you know, you really fucking Oof. stepped into the shadow realm is when Alex Jones is the sane right. one. But
0: I, I really do it with everything. Even even we've talked about this, when, when Rogan had this year and a half period where, every episode was about covid i'm like at this yeah, point oh, i'm, God, I'm not interested anymore i know enough about covid like you're gonna say the same talking points for an hour and a yeah. half but i would still listen because every now and then somebody you would have on would have to say something different
2: about it and well that's a good example of something where i'm like i don't really know anything about this um i mean obviously i know the same things everyone else reads in the news but like I don't know shit about infectious diseases and virology and epidemiology and all this stuff. Like I'm just going to sit this one out because the world does not need me to have an opinion right. on this. Yeah, You know, not, like I, I'm not a fucking scientist or a doctor, so I'm just going to sit this one out and let them take care of it because like, I don't. Who who is being like? Well, I, the I, I'm not doing anything until I know Finn McKenty's opinion yeah. on COVID. Nobody yeah, well, is saying that. We hope not. I mean,
0: no offense, but same yeah, for I hope me, not. You know, Exactly. Just, and, right. and I
2: and when it started, I was I was
0: totally joking around with people because in college I took an elective course because you know you need a certain amount of elective credits, and it was called Zombie Outbreak. And the the uh-huh. teacher, the professor, was actually a CDC official. And he took us in the doomsday car and all this. And we had to, for the final exam, we had to write an essay on, like, do you bug out or shelter in place from zombies? How do you do it? Et cetera. I right. got an A, so I was pretty happy about that. But the one thing that did strike me, this is back in 2011 when we all were getting over swine and that was, like, no big deal. And and the one thing that he was saying was the next world-changing event will be a virus. And we're all sitting there like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, sure. Like, okay, you've watched buddy. too many movies, yeah. 28 days later, all that crap. And uh, turns out he was right. And that's why he works for the CDC and I do not. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. com and check out noom's first ever cookbook the noom kitchen for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living available to buy now wherever books are sold ever wonder what a punch from elton john feels like or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in nirvana
2: or what signal keith richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room
0: So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E F F
2: I N G Perspective, the only podcast you crank up to eleven. Well, so yeah. getting back to Blair, um, I-, I was aware that um, that's going to make some people upset, but the thing is, you know, I, I, I again because these people have already said every awful thing you could say about me, and they're going to continue to say those things. They might say it a little bit more after I have Blair on. But that's it. It's not like there's anything I could do to please them or make them happy. And that's the unfortunate thing is like those people have decided that I'm a terrible person and there's nothing I could ever say or do to change their mind about that. Um, and so the problem there is that that basically just makes us all dig our heels in and we set up our camp over here. And it's like trench warfare. You know, you live in this trench, I live in this trench. And maybe we'll stick our heads up every now and then to shoot at each other. But we're just going to stay in our little trenches, um, and and I think that's really disappointing. And I, I'm not here to you know defend Blair or say that I agree or disagree with everything she said. Like that's not the point. I don't agree with every podcast guest I have on, and that's never been the premise. Um, obviously, I agree with a lot. I mean, I, I generally agree with her, or I wouldn't have had her on. Um, so I'm not trying to you know uh, you know duck that or anything. Um, I just think it's just wild that like people get so fucking heated about, you know, a conversation with someone that they disagree and this with. This happens so often in the music industry. I mean, we all know with this falling in Reverse tour and
0: spirit box dropping right, right. off and it's like because right. you know, Ronnie has a you know, a little bit of a past, but it's nothing that's I don't know. That one really bothered me and I had a tweet that went viral. I lost some People that I, I told you about, they're like, I'm not going to listen to Killstreak anymore because you you yeah. said this and then I'm like, okay, well then don't. <laughs> you know,
2: don't. like, I mean, if they want if they want to drop off the tour, like that's totally fine. I get yeah. that, like that's and, their and choice. It, um,
0: it, it, there, there's a something I've learned from talking to a lot of bands, both on the podcast and in private, and I'm not going to name anybody, but you've said this many times. Bands kind of, generally speaking, love some of their fans. I mean, it's. It's, yes. not, it's not like they hate their fa- all of their fans or anything, but th- there's a certain group of fans that act a certain way and the it kind of gets in the it's way of what annoying. bands want to do and how bands want to be and be more creative and make their own decisions. Because as we know with, with this this Twitter hive mind, if you will, I hate using that word, but yeah. you, 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 somebody has an opinion and everybody's got to follow. And if you do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, um then you risk losing a fan base which we all know the shelf life of any band is so minimal that you have to you have to do damage control at that point uh yeah. otherwise you're risking everything you've worked so hard to build so on one hand you can't blame the bands for making these decisions but ju- the fans some of these fans got to know like they they're not agreeing with you when they're making these decisions they're doing it out of necessity it's not like oh you know what yeah. they were right i
2: got to do this and that. It, it's not, it's not like that. No. I mean, sometimes it is, but more often than not, it's just the band being like, okay, fine. The mob wins again. Yeah. It, and that's just the world yeah. we live in. Mob rule.
0: So let's talk about something that we, we, you didn't have at all. The first time that I talked to you was your Twitch channel. Um, uh, uh-huh. first of all, just to give context
2: context, when did you decide to start that? Uh, I think it was it was some point in 2020. I think maybe June or July of 20. No, no, 2021. Okay, yeah. yeah, because I started it right when we moved. So yeah, it was two about two years ago. Um, and I'd considered it for a while. Um, but just for whatever reason, kind of never pulled the trigger on it. And then I ended up, um, getting introduced to Fred over at Twitch, who talked to me about it and kind of convinced me to give it a shot. And I did, and it was awesome. And it's probably like the best, as far as like the content side of things goes, probably the best decision I made in many. And I was going to say that kind of wish I would have done it earlier. From a consumer standpoint, I, I personally, you know,
0: when I, I, I binge on my YouTube when I'm eating lunch or dinner or whatever, and when I click, the first thing I click on is your Twitch. Your, you upload them to YouTube for context, but yeah, uh, the, the content is much more engaging. It's more subjective, like you say. Before, when your your main channel and I still enjoy your main channel videos because they are informative, but it's it's essentially Wikipedia in video for bands. Um, yes. Whereas the Twitch channel is very much like learn about you, what how you personally think about this or that. Um, I love. I mean, I just think it's
2: a comedy it, channel. Yeah, I mean, me, then, then I was going to get silly. it I love the Mostly. I love the
0: the blatant sarcasm, and for those that don't know your sense of humor, it it can be dry, but really funny. Um, and you, you'll say things that if you captured them alone on audio, you'd be like, wow, this guy's weird. But you you do it in a way that is, is I don't even know what the right way to describe it is. I mean, something that I love that you do is we we'll all think that you're about to say something about how, like the most beautiful women in metal, and then you're like, we're talking about all the dudes today, and I'm like, <laughs> that's that's so refreshing because
2: it's on one, it's kind of a jab at the people who do do that, who who are very exactly. superficial about that. I'll never make, I'm never gonna, I made a hottest guys in metal video, and I'm gonna, I will always talk about like that and whether they're circumcised and weird <laughs> right. shit like that, and they're like, oh, why don't you make a video about women? And we're like, well, no, that would be yeah, weird, right? <laughs> It would be weird. It would be.
0: I mean, it, it is kind of weird how that goes, where if we're being honest, if you did make like a hottest women in metal video, there'd be people going, oh, you know, that's such objectifying of of,
2: of these. I would never. No, do I that. know you would I genuinely I genuinely think that's but fucking the reaction, not even being
0: sarcastic. The about reaction, that. the different reaction you would get from making a hottest guys video versus a hottest woman video from people who watch would, is totally different. It's crazy how that yeah. how that just is the way it is. But uh, I, I like I I like you have that you know listen to new metal shirt where like we know by now you don't like new metal but you have that shirt to no. wear, ironically there's you the even your one of your first merch is the um, impact font uh, shirt yeah it's it's the it's the sarcasm the irony that makes it so refreshing because you you don't p- people take life too seriously anymore myself included and I think what I like about yeah. your Twitch channel is you're just like let's just have some fun. Let's just talk about music in a fun way to be silly, non-serious
2: way. And at first, um, at first people who were maybe used to my main channel, um, they, they didn't think it was (laughs) funny. They didn't like it too much. I was like, Jesus Christ, you people cannot laugh at anything. This is miserable, but I stuck it out. And now I think everyone gets my sense of humor and they understand that I'm just being silly. And, you know, when I make fun of some guy's haircut from 2004, um, You know, it's all in good fun, and you
0: and you always say like this is the peak aesthetic, and I'm like, part of me is like, I know he's joking, but also I kind of want to do that again, but also not. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I want to talk about something that we, you and I, do have a slight of a a respectful disagreement on is, and maybe not, but balancing making money with passion because I know we've talked about this a lot, where you'll make a video that you really don't give two shits about. But it's going to get a ton of views. And do you ever have
2: that internal moral conundrum of like, do I really want to make this video? Well, no, because there's no moral conundrum because there's nothing wrong with making a product that people want. You know, like it's the same as if you work at a restaurant. You don't like everything on the menu. Let's say you're the, the head chef or whatever you know, you have Brussels sprouts on the menu because other people like Brussels sprouts. It doesn't mean that you love everything on the menu that you would choose to eat it yourself. It just means, well, the people who come to my restaurant want Brussels sprouts. So I made Brussels sprouts on the menu. Um, and I don't think there's like, I don't understand why when it comes to like art or music or content creation or whatever, there's this idea that you have to be like personally passionate about everything that you make or, and that there's something like inauthentic about that. Like, I don't, I don't have to like a band to make a video about them. And I don't think that that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I've never said that I like every band that I talk about, you know, it's just, that's maybe other people. And if, by the way, if other people only want to make videos about things that they like and, you know, personally are passionate about great, but like, I'm here to make what my audience wants, which May or may not correspond to content I would personally watch, but like that doesn't mean that I hate making it. And it doesn't mean that um, there's any sort of like cynical anything going on. It's just like, well, a lot of people asked me to make a video about Ramstein. So I did.
0: And I guess, I guess using your menu analogy is really good because you talk about there's some, some things on the menu you don't like as a chef. But I guess the conundrum would be balancing how many items you do like versus because you don't want to have a whole menu that you don't like but you also i don't give a fuck you would you would so, but i don't know if that's true because sometimes you you go out there and you'll make videos that i know you genuinely passionately like this or that you know whether it's yeah. it's it's little peep or suicide or whatever it, it could be all kinds of your self-help videos obviously you have a
2: passion for yeah uh, but it very rare i mean very rarely so for me it's probably like five percent passion stuff Which, again, it's not to say that I don't like the other things, but it's very rare that I make a video like I don't I'm an adult with a family to support. I I, like I don't have the time or energy to, like, make a video that I know not that I know is not going to get views and is going to get a negative reaction. Like, why would I do that? Yeah. You know, it's like, why would you put something on the menu that, you know, people won't like? Why would you do that? You know, and that's the way I look at it. Everyone's different. I think the creative mindset is, is more of, you know, I l- put it this way. There's like a continuum between like prag- pragmatic and idealist. And I think most creative people tend to be more on the idealist side. I'm far more on the pragmatic side. Makes sense. Um, that's just how I look at it. Everyone else is different. But to me, it's like, well, if I have a product that I know people like, which is, you know, videos about things like new metal and stuff like that, w- why would I not make right. that? You know, if people enjoy it, why would I not do and that? To- piggyback
0: off of that as we've talked about this too with bringing in something new whether it's a new format or you know a a new background on your videos why have you do because i've seen this why are people so afraid of of change when it comes to their video content i mean it's a background right you your first your first i don't know 100 videos or whatever it was on your main channel had that background with all all the flyers and then one day yeah. you decided to have this normal wall and people were like, Oh, we want the background back. Well, that's because I was moving. Right. but people d- don't, people don't care if you're moving. People are just like, I want yeah. the same no, normal thing that I've always had. Yes. And as a, you talked about this with Nick nocturnal on your podcast, but as a creator, sometimes you, you, you want to do things a little differently just to keep it fresh, to push boundaries, yeah. to have some sort of fulfillment. And it's, really hard to make those decisions when they might lead to people not watching just simply because something sure. is so different so how do you balance se- having an idea where you're like i'm going to try this with that might not work
2: do you just try it anyways or sometimes you just are like i, I got to scrap that um i think of it as like um there's if anybody is interested in this there's a book called um beyond the core which is, is the sequel to a book called "Profit from the Core." Profit from the Core is um, it's it's written by a guy from uh, Bain Consulting. Bain is a company that, like you might know, because Mitt Romney used to mm-hmm. be the C- CEO of Bain gotcha. Capital, and Bain Consulting is like probably like the most elite management consulting firm in the world. Um, they wrote a book called uh, this guy named Chris Zook from Bain wrote a book called "Profit from the Core," which is about like how to like. Why companies basically should like focus on the very narrow range of things where they like can truly excel at that, and then he wrote a sequel to that called uh, beyond the core," which is like, okay, once you've nailed that, how do you expand beyond that um and so for any creator, the first thing you need to do is just find one thing that people care about at all, which for me was making these sort of like video essays about alternative music I'm like you know, and I sort of had success. I think like Bring Me the Horizon was like the first one I did that was like kind of that got a lot yeah. of views. So that kind of like warp tour sort of music. But then the next thing you need to do once you figure that out, because you, you know, especially with making content, you're going to run out of ideas eventually if you're only focusing in one narrow area, whether it's like, you know, 2000s motocross or collecting fucking antique spoons or whatever it is. You're like, man, I made a hundred videos about this. Like I'm running out of ideas. So the next thing you need to do is figure out how to go beyond that core. And so in that book, he has a framework for like, if a company wants to do something new, you give it one point for, is it a new market? Is it a new product? Is it a new technical capability? Is it a new customer? Is it a new geography? I think there's like five hmm. things. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit more, but his um, framework is basically, if it's more than one or one and a half points, it's probably not going to work. Interesting. Um, So for me, I think basically what I've realized at this point is my audience, you know, they're mostly like guys in their thirties. And so the sweet spot for them, (laughs) exactly. The sweet spot for them is guitar music that was popular when they were in high school, meaning roughly say 1995 to 2007 or so, you know, or 97 to 2007, even 95 is a little old that like 10 year period is kind of the sweet spot. Um, so anything outs like anything outside of that is a little bit of a risk. And so I need to think about how do I tie it to that. For example, um, I did a video about TRL that did pretty well. You know, that's a show about MTV, an MTV show, obviously, but I tied that into corn because corn was always corn and limp biscuit were always on TRL. And so I know that my guys in their thirties <laughs> like corn and limp biscuit. Sure um, now, if I made a TRL show that was just focused on Mariah Carey and Britney Spears, they wouldn't watch it. Probably not for a few reasons, which so, you know. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. don't like women, especially <laughs> black women. Um, <laughs> those are two women, yep. two reasons. Um, <clears throat> but even aside from that, so that's how I think about it. It's like anything that I want to do. And, and I've, I feel like I've slowly expanded the boundaries a little bit. Um, for example, I just did a video about Skrillex. that did really well. Yeah. Um he has obvious ties to you know the email world and stuff, but uh did st- did something about like Imagine Dragons that did well and ICP and Creed. Um so I've been able to kind of expand a little bit beyond just that sort of core of like warp tour music or and whatever. There's that weird art um, form too of like hate
0: watching. So we know that for example the Imagine Dragons video, I would I would assume yeah. that most people tuned into that, not because they love Imagine Dragons. They wanted to hear or have made perhaps their opinion validated on why they yes. felt Imagine Dragons was inferior to their tastes or what have you. So yes. some of the numbers, I mean, it depends on the video. We all know with your, your black metal video how that turned out. But some numbers yeah. are, are hate watching. And as a content creator, it's something to honestly
2: embrace. Well, I mean, it's up to you. Everyone's de- I mean, I, I would say if you can avoid hate watching, well, sure. you should because it's don't want to or channel. being right. Well, it's just bad for your mental health. It sucks, you know, to to know that thousands and thousands of people are just watching because they hate you and they want to argue with how bad your opinion is. Yeah. It sucks. But, you know, for some of us, that's just that's just our lot in life. You know, I have unpopular opinions. Unfortunately, I wish I had more popular opinions, but I just, that's just not who I am. But I think that's necessary Um, too, because again, if you had popular, it goes back to what we originally talked about. If you have only popular opinions,
0: that ends up being an echo chamber that ends up not giving any sort of nuance or discourse
2: for people to learn new things. Um, And then we're, yeah, but it's not my, like, but who cares? It's not necessarily your job to like help people. People don't want help. You know, they just want to be entertained and mostly just want their opinions validated. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, say like Rick Beato and Nick Nocturnal both have very popular opinions. You know, I don't they don't get hate watched. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of that, but that's not sure. You know, that's not if Fantano gets hate yes. watched. Um, But, you know, Nick and Rick are very like nice, personable people who I'd say their opinions generally overlap with their audience's opinions um and uh you know some of us that's just not how it is do you also recognize i'm sure you do that there are a lot of people
0: i wouldn't say a majority but a lot of people like me who male white 30s but also agree with you on on a vast majority of things you talk about
2: oh yeah yeah so, definitely you know, that, definitely yeah especially now um i used to make a lot more like I I used to make a lot more videos challenging my audience's opinions. And then I realized that was just stupid. So I stopped. Right.
0: Yeah. As a as balance you have to do. I want to ask you, uh, something else a little off the beaten path here, but we know, and you've done this to me and it's all your fault. I'm going to blame you because now I only listen to like new music that's come out in like the last year. Mm-hmm. I refuse to listen to older stuff because I'm like, I need to listen to what's hip. It's just weird with my wiring now. But, um, for somebody like yourself who really values new music, new pop, new hip hop things that are very uh, well produced and, and, and done the right way. You also have an opinion that at least in the non-pop and hip hop world, in the, in the guitar world, you like production. That is a little bit more raw and older. Uh, not always. I'm just, you know, general blanket here, but yeah, how, how, how I want to know
2: from you, why is that that way in the guitar world, but not, in the well I'm an extremist okay I want something I I want to either listen to um I want to either listen to the most like beautiful glossy polished pop you know like um Lover's Era Taylor Swift yeah. or I want to listen to disgusting filthy revolting shit like cock and ball torture or Good gut slam shit I don't want to be in the middle you know, I don't want to name any names, but I'll just I'll just name one. Like Event Animate to me is a band that is just like there's nothing good about that to me. Um and I'm sorry, they I'm sure they're lovely people and I, I don't mean to be rude, but to me that's just there is no songs. Um it's just riff salad, it's not especially heavy, it's not especially melodic. Like it's just there's nothing there to me. Yeah.
0: I I, I won't go as far as saying in my opinion. I don't think they're bad. I just think there's a lot of generic metalcore out right now, and specifically metalcore that is going through the motions.
2: I think metalcore is the worst genre of music right now. It's trash. It's fair. And I've been listening to metalcore since literally the well if you beginning.
0: listen to metalcore from 99 2000
2: etc it doesn't sound anything like it does today it's it was well, no 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 but my point is like i i love the idea sure. of metalcore but the moment that it's at right now is garbage
0: I, I think going through the motions is the best way i can describe it yes um Exactly. And there's obviously going to be outliers to this there's there's obviously yeah. good metalcore bands out there but i would say yeah uh, there's a vast portion and when i when i you know something as simple as juxtaposing it with deathcore which to me and i'm a little biased i'm in a deathcore band but to me there's been a more of a uh attempt to push boundaries in that there's more yes, innovation in deathcore there, there's sure. more of, uh not just shock value that's not the right word but when you're listening you don't know what's coming up necessarily but yeah. In metal chords, like I know what part's here, I know what part's coming up, I know yes. what this is gonna be. Here comes the clean like, chorus, etc.
2: Yep. go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash ThePunkRockMBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode.
1: Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal The Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map from Fallout Boy to Slayer. Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.
2: Do you remember around like say twenty thirteen or fourteen at the very end of the Crabcore era, yeah. when and you're just like Jesus Christ, people! Yeah. I do not need another fucking band that sounds like Asking Alexandria. Like yeah. enough. Yeah, it was definitely played out. Um, and,
0: but but what ended up happening was we that that bubble eventually burst. Uh, you know. yes but I feel
2: like we're in that same moment now but with Gent. right
0: so when is the bubble bursting is the question
2: I don't know yeah. if it will I think I think that's just I think this is you know some genre not every genre changes over time like punk now sounds the same as that's it true. like there's nothing new that's happened in punk since probably the 90s but I will say as well we're you starting
0: know? to get some bands somebody said this the other day where it's like post metalcore which is like spirit box sleep token bad omens that are you know they have elements of metalcore but there's they're doing they're they're taking risks that other bands aren't
2: taking and i mean i don't know that i would say uh, sleep token is kind of risky i suppose Uh, i think spirit box and bad omens are both great bands but i i wouldn't say that they're risky in fact i would just say that both of them um are are just going back to the basics of like Good songwriting and good vocals. Right. Well, and, um, I don't think they're risky, but th- that's not no, a bad No, and
0: thing. it's it's actually ironic because Mike from Spirit Box is probably one of the most talented
2: guitarists I could imagine currently. He can shred his fucking balls off for anybody who doesn't But they
0: know. don't write music to showcase him. They write music to showcase right. Courtney. and
2: Right, because that, that's
0: what 99.9% yes. of right. people it's care about. It's guitarists like me <laughs> that only give a shit yeah. about Riff Salad Whereas and I've I've kind of trained my brain to really value vocals more because I was like that three or four years ago. I was definitely like that. But today I really for people who don't sing, it's harder. And it's like guitar. People play guitar. You recognize the virtuosity in that guitar. But for people that don't sing, it might be hard to recognize how amazing it was for that person to pull off that run, to do that harmony, all
2: those things. Um, try for any any guitarist try making a song on your own um where you sing and you can just auto tune the shit out of it this is actually this was like a really like pivotal moment for me and this is um when i learned how to use melodyne which is for anybody who doesn't know it's like auto tune i learned how to use melodyne like 10 years ago and i was like oh um i guess i'll i'll make like a uh like i wanted to make a song that sounded like forever the sickest kids um which has a lot of like really complex vocal harmonies and stuff in it. And I uh, said, so I can't sing at all, but now that I know how to use Melodyne, I can do this. And um, so I wrote vocal melodies and lyrics and harmonies and stuff like that. And I, I don't wanna play the song for anybody cause it's not good. Um, but the act of doing that to your point made me appreciate vocals on a whole new level. I wrote a few songs with vocals and stuff. It made me ap- appreciate it on a whole new level, even though they were bad, I'm just like, oh, now I understand. I used to listen to like um say like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, for example. I would listen to them and like during the verses, the guitar parts are so simple. It's just like, you know, eighth or sixteenth notes like palm muted, and I'm just like, this is so boring. But now I realize, oh, it's because they needed to make room right, for the
0: vocals. Exactly. I, I, I find myself doing that when I'm running demos. I'm like, okay, the next part's gotta be this for me and this for me. And I'm like, bro, let let's
2: <laughs> let my vocalist shine a little bit. It's not about you. Uh um, yeah, you can't have a drummer going off and a guitar shredding and a vocalist There's doing a their own. The vocalist all at the is in the front time. of the stage and we're all behind them. It's it, that's always been that. Like way it for, or not, that's exactly. just how
0: it is. So it's just how and it I is. I think that's why bands like Bad Omens, Pure Box, and Sleep Token, because they're more vocal driven, are becoming yep. I guess the next generation of headliners. We can't say yeah. that for certain at the moment, but it's seemingly trending that way. Sure looks that way. So for those that are in bands that want to play in front of the most people possible, which listen, some people are in bands just to play 300 cap venues and that's
2: totally fine. But or, or, or 10, yeah. 10 cap venues, which I, by the way, I totally respect that. You know, there's people who think that um, I believe that the only thing that matters is maximizing your audience and making as much money as possible. That's not true. Um, I re- I completely, again, I'm a purist. I say, go, go one way or the other. I either try to get as big as you possibly can, in which case you should probably take things in a more, you know, uh, 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 in a direction that incorporates some pop sensibility. Yes. Um, and by the way, I would say like Deicide has a pop sensibility. You know, it doesn't mean you have to sound you like don't Britney falsettos Spears and all these runs. Like you don't have right. to do that. It's more about structure. It just has and, it, yeah, and exactly accessibility, and having hooks, whatever. That, like Dying Fetus has a pop sensibility. Yeah. Like they're really catchy. I mean, all the songs that I end up trying to fall like at the middle
0: of the night when I'm trying to fall asleep that are in my head, I'm like, yeah, because that's that's a really catchy hook. I'm not fall again. We're not throwing anybody under the bus, but I'm not falling asleep to invent anime in my head. I'm falling asleep to just whatever bad omens or, or whatever it is because there's like there's right. a catchy hook there. A dater member does that really well as well.
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. So, but my point is either do that or if you just want to play your weirdo filthy you know basement grindcore prog whatever that's total i totally respect that too just to understand that there's going to be a smaller audience for that most likely which is totally okay exactly um i do want to address something because
0: because you're one of the few people i talk to who, who i would consider uh i guess a hip-hop aficionado because a lot of my yeah again we talked about this at the beginning but a lot of my normie friends like hip-hop just because they like hip hop, but you, you have a, a yeah. different sense of it. Something that's bothered me for God, maybe a decade now. Cause it wasn't this way before I am. We, we know about live performance and it's about the experience, but yeah. for me, I can't get over so many of these rappers rapping with their vocals already on the tracks. It's if they even show uh, up <laughs> <it's> another thing, <laughs> um, but it seems like karaoke night when they do that. That's just my opinion. Yep. I it seems to be the norm now. Well, it's not an opinion. I mean, that's a fact. But it used to be you would you bring your DJ, he'd play your beat, he'd mix it right. Yeah, you would rap over your beat. You know where your bars are, and it would be a legitimate. And I know we've talked about authenticity. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. It should be entertainment. But at least for me, and I know I'm not the only person that feels this way, when I go to a hip hop show, I want to hear the artist perform the song not just yell it over their vocals because it's not even they're doing yell one out of every eight yeah, words. and it's oh god that's that that truth but like some of these like you can hear the recording their flow is really on point their tone is really great they're lower yeah. but when they're rapping they're up here and they're like and it's like yeah right
2: I, I do you, is that something that's ever gonna go away how do you feel about that I mean I would like to have- I don't I don't like watching live music so um I mean, to me, it's all I, like, I just don't like watching live music. Um, I, but that being said, I would never pay for that right. personally. Um, cause uh, just everything about that seems like, like, why would I pay for that? You know, they're going to show up an hour and a half late and like sort of stumble through, um, stumble through the worst version ever of this song that you like, and it's like, what, why am I paying a hundred dollars for this? Um, so I, but I don't know. I mean, I don't go to these shows. So does does the average, you know, whatever, like, um, Lil Wayne, I mean, he's probably better yeah. than most to be honest, but I, I, you know, one of whatever, currently thinking. yeah. Or Lil Durk yeah. or whatever. Like does the average, does the average Lil Dirk fan care? I, I don't know that they do. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, I i do not go to those shows. So I'm not sure. But I sure wouldn't But a lot of these it.
0: people have nosebleeds and they can't even see
2: what the artist is doing anyway. They're just dancing, right. which is fine. Like that's. And I, and I feel like they don't, I I could be wrong, but I feel like the, that audience, I don't think that they care about the, the, um, nuances of the performance. I think they just want to be there. And, and you know what I mean?
0: Contrastly, when you look at rock metal, punk, whatever fans, if they see somebody on tracks on stage or, you know, miss a part or, Oh, this was recorded. It's an immediate point and laugh situation
2: yeah we're gonna hang you out to dry it's like well dude we've got fucking eight tracks of guitars in the album do you want it to sound good or do you want us to use tracks because those Those are the choices choices. um
0: before we go i i never got to ask you about this i i kind of want to know a little bit about your time up here in cleveland i know you had had time in cleveland you had some time in Cincinnati. a long time ago a long time ago um but uh sometimes you mention things especially on your twitch when you're making fun of ohio because it's easy to do um yeah I, I, I'm just curious. like So so you were here from...
2: I, li- I lived in yeah. Cleveland from 96 to 99. Um, and then I moved back to Seattle. And then I moved to Cincinnati to go to school uh, at University of Cincinnati. I was there from, I think, 2004 or 5. And then I graduated at the end of 2009. And then I lived in Columbus from the end of 2009 until the end of So you really are
0: an Ohio expert. There's not a lot of people from Ohio yes. that's lived
2: in all three major cities. So that's, you know, that's, that's pretty that's, uh, <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> I, sadly, I am an expert. Um, I've seen the big city sites of uh, Youngstown, Akron, Canton, Dayton, Toledo, you know, in- and then across the <laughs> river over in beautiful Covington, Kentucky. Oh my God. So, okay. Well then let me ask you this, which out of the three,
0: and you can be completely subjective, don't, you know cater to me which one was your favorite city to live in out of the three if you had to pick
2: oh columbus by i would far.
0: say the same and i'm like i said i'm not from there i'm from cleveland but columbus seems to be more of the traditional kind of city uh has a lot of diversity it's you know it's a little more enjoyable yeah year. columbus yeah. is fine
2: yeah it's fine I, w- I would be okay with living there again I, I it's not like you know i mean i was born on the west coast i grew up here so to me I mean, especially like Washington is just so beautiful that, you know, it's, it's hard for anything. Like, I don't even think California is as pretty as Washington. I try so hard when I'm here,
0: Um, whether I'm going hiking on a nature trail or whatever, I try really hard to appreciate what's here. But then when I leave and I come back, I'm like, God, this is really unexciting. (laughs)
2: Yeah. But you know, that's, I don't mean to be a snob about it you know, whatever, but just, I grew up like looking, you know, if if I showed you a picture of what I saw looking out my bedroom window when I was a kid, which I completely took for granted, you know, it's the cascade mountains. You know, I see that every day. And then you go to Ohio and it's like, Oh, well there's like a hill in Ashtabula that people try to ski down. It's you know fucking truth oh my god well in, um, when you were in cleveland but, but
0: that was like right around sorry no, go right, ahead uh when you were in cleveland the uh that was right around
2: the the hardcore scene was really oh yeah, yeah it was sick uh the i will say this is like the music scene in ohio especially cleveland is like 10 times better than washington there's nothing like to it's do not even here than seattle it's not even there's close to do what's that there's nothing to do well it's also close to yeah. everything like seattle the closest city is portland which is still 3 hours away and portland's not that big um and then you know it's like boise idaho is like <laughs> 10 hours away that's like really it and so in the 90s a lot of bands didn't even play seattle because you just it just didn't make financial sense you're not going to drive you know 8 hours to make $200 when cleveland's you routed you know Or Columbus, they're always routed. It's either one or the other, because I think it's
0: something like it's like six hours away from every major city that's not on the West Coast or something like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's close enough that if you live in Cleveland or Cincinnati or sorry, Cleveland or Columbus, you can drive to the other one. If you really want to go see something, it's not far. Um, So I, I will say that and like the hardcore scene in Cleveland at that time was amazing. I saw every fucking band that toured at that time. I saw all of them in Cleveland and the shows were all great um and uh that was yeah. cool uh and a good death metal scene back then in, was in ringworm cleveland active
0: too. back then i think so
2: yeah uh-huh. I and mean, they're from cleveland and I, they actually just played the
0: chimera uh show chimera had like a two-night reunion show so there's still state of conviction still around there's still a bunch of bands that are still yeah. around i mean they're not doing yeah i got tattooed by james from ringworm oh, okay. he actually makes then. um he has a facebook group that does death metal baseball t-shirts so like Cleveland okay. Indians, like in death metal fawn, Chief Wahoo with like yeah. bloodshot eyes and shit. It's actually pretty cool. But uh, did you have a favorite venue when you were up here?
2: Old Peabody Flats. In the Flats. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. That's probably my... And, and speaking Tongues was great just in different ways. You know, Peabody's is where like the quote unquote big bands would play, which is, you know, funny back then to think of like Peabody's as being, you know, big, but a band like VOD or something, you know, would play, uh, would play at Peabody's in the flats, um, and then Speak in Tongues was like the punk venue. Where was that at? Which was I, I don't. That's not around there. Uh, I think it was around like West Twenty. Is by the what's the the West Side Market okay. or whatever. Um, uh, around like West Twenty Fifth or something. It was like really. I don't know what it's like now, but it was very sketchy back then. Yeah,
0: because now in the West Side they just have the Foundry, um, something called No Class uh mahal's which is like a bowling alley
2: converted into a venue so okay. they got some stuff but uh yeah we'll keep- the fantasy was fun too i lived on uh west 114th in detroit so it was like we could walk to the fantasy and like the five pirate ship or there something. when you that went I, yeah yeah mm-hmm. they just closed your- yeah, yeah i saw tons and tons of great shows okay. there very cool
0: well hey man thanks for coming on i'm glad that i could have a much more uh knowledgeable conversation with you than three years ago so uh like i said this was something that i wanted to do for a while and i'm glad that i chose now to do it because it was much more entertaining and thought-provoking so i really appreciate uh, you coming on
2: great thanks for having me